And hello, and welcome to FreightWaves Global Supply Chain Week. This is the Ocean Freight Edition, and I'm your host for today's segment. My name is Steve Ferreira, and I'm CEO of Ocean Audit, a ocean freight refund recovery consultancy firm in Hartford, Connecticut. And I have to tell you, this might be my favorite segment. Really, really, it is, it is, guys. I can't tell you the depth and breadth that my guest today brings to us, and he's a very, very close friend. But before I introduce him, I will talk about today's topic, and today's topic is very important to all my great new friends and clients and, and audience of FreightWaves folks out there that are just either getting started in global logistics or have moved to a new role in global logistics. And the points of topic that we'll talk about today are the things that you as the BCO, Beneficial Cargo Owner, should really be looking at and focusing on as you start to promulgate through 2021 and the all-important contract negotiation season. Now, that's a little bit of a misnomer this year because unlike any other year, this is unlike any other year, I should say, pardon me. And to make sense of it, I am going to bring in my very close friend and the director of global logistics at AutoZone, Jack Conahan. Jack, welcome to the virtual stage. Hey, thank you, Steve. I appreciate you inviting me and uh, very, <clears throat> very happy to be talking to the Freight Waves folks. So just a little bit of background about myself. So like Steve mentioned, I am the director of logistics for AutoZone. I do have the responsibility for parcel. Uh, domestic transportation, uh, customs compliance, as well as the international transportation. I've been with AutoZone for the last year, but do have 25 plus years uh, within the industry, which with several retailers as well as uh, a manufacturing company. So again, Steve, thank you for having me, and I look forward to talking to you. Oh, Jack, you know, as I said, no, no doubt about it. Uh, I've had some great guests on and uh, we've had some terrific sessions, but uh, always look forward to this one. Um, and especially want to thank you for, uh, you know, joining uh, our FreightWave session uh, because of your expertise. Um, I, you're, like, you're the dean of logistics and uh, wouldn't happen any other way. <laughs> so school, school is in session. <laughs> thank you very much. And you know we've uh, we've spent so much time together at uh, at at, uh, at various seminars around the country and uh, so much FaceTime in, in the different places that you've worked and I've, I've respected it so much and you know I think that uh, one of the things I want to start our session off today is and maybe you could give the audience a little bit of a, a time frame but now that we're where we are here in 2021 you know a lot of people are saying you know. Steve, you know, I'm new to logistics and I got thrown into this. And so I guess my first question, Jack, is how did we get to the place that we are now versus the place that we normally would be in March or April? So why is this year different? And talk a little bit about the differences. Well, very good question, right? So <clears throat> obviously living through a pandemic with COVID, and obviously, COVID is still going on. Hopefully, there's light at the end of the tunnel uh, as far as the vaccines go. Um, but starting back at, you know, really probably June, uh, the international shipping started to kick up. Uh, that was pretty much due to, uh, you know, the government checks going out and spending starting, right, uh, by the consumer. So the consumer pattern has to totally changed. 
where they're not spending uh, their dollars on uh, services. It's really spent. It's really changed to spending their money on fixing up their homes um, and, and anything of like that, or if even fixing up their cars is because we we have seen it within our business as well. So, um, and it, and as the audience probably really knows, is they've gone into any of the big box stores and they've gone looking for anything over the last eight or nine months, you know, total shelves are wiped out. So, and I know me and my wife have recently moved to Memphis and trying to decorate a new home have gone through this. So this created what would normally we would go through a peak season that would start in you know August or even the first week of September. Well, peak season really started at the end of June um, in 2020, and we're still living through it. And there's really no end in sight to uh, this phenomenon that we're going through. Is so you know is obviously. That brings us to having to prepare differently this year than we would in most years for our contract season. Okay, that's great. You, you're just, you know, we're so in, in sync with one another. So being prepared for going forward with this contract season, could you give the audience a sense of maybe the three or four tools that you're using or you're, you're, you're measuring or you have to use to, to, to get to where you want to be this year? Yeah, so... You know, I would I would first say is, you know, if you're if you're the person within your organization that is charged with negotiating those contracts, you really need to get a handle on what was your previous year's volumes, not only by, you know, overall. Right. Is but also by what port did it come out of? What container sizes did you utilize? And what ports did you ship into? Um, we go into several different ports, so it's a little more complex. The importer that's going into one or two ports might be a little simpler, simpler to put together. You know, the other thing is I would encourage is talk to your replenishment teams or your sourcing teams about are they going to do any spikes coming out of one country or another? I can tell you. Just within the last several days, we received an email that out of a certain port with one vendor, they are gonna they are gonna increase the imports, uh, and it's gonna be into the West Coast. So now that I'm armed with that information, where I may have been looking at two carriers for that lane, I'm probably now looking at three carriers, right? So you you definitely you getting a handle on your past volumes your future volumes, and talking to your internal pe people, right? You don't want to silo yourself as you're going into contract season, right? Um, and if you're if you're sort of new uh, within, within the industry, you know, what I would do is I would encourage you to talk to, you know, a mentor, whether that's in, in your company or outside your company, and somebody that you could bounce ideas off and, and gather information. So th those are like three things that, you know, I would definitely sort of encourage. The other thing that I would encourage as you're going through the process, you know, understand if you want to be a direct ocean carrier contract or do you want to 
or do you want to work with NVOs? Is, um, you know, and there's advantages to both. Um, you know, if you have a direct carrier relationship, you know, you have the advantage of that direct relationship of the salesperson. The NVOs obviously have more contracts available and you might be able to get more space out of, you know, a country you might not ship out of that often. So, you know, understanding that dynamic of it as well is very important. You know, Jack, you, you raised such a great point on that last point on NVO. Uh, that was actually one of the next questions I was going to ask. And I was just uh, kind of uh, I'll kind of go over through my thought on it. But I think what the point that Jack makes is so true, because, you know, you look at the percentage of lift that NVOs have in the Trans-Pacific and it's quite substantial and it's really increased. And I think savvy logistics professionals like Jack and AutoZone um, probably understand the, the, the realm of the uh, historic relationships, not only with the direct carrier, but also the fact that NVOs forwarders uh, give them a menu or a basket of services. Is that kind of your thinking, Jack? Yeah. So, I mean, our approach is to utilize, right, utilize both. I mean, um, without, you know, revealing percentages, we, we do have a higher percentage uh, sort of direct carrier, but there are certain lanes and even certain lanes that lend itself to strictly do an NBO, where other lanes were doing a mixture of NBO and direct carrier is because it just makes sense. Um, because it just it just basically lends to more options so that you're not putting yourself in a box. So Jack, you've met uh, John Monroe, a good friend of mine, and John and I were talking, uh, and you know he thinks the world of you too. And you know we were talking about inland moves, for example, um, and you know uh, going away from the port and the rail situation and just delayed transit times. You do a lot of inland destination shipping. And you've got a lot of uh, things in motion, and your supply chain is more complex. How do you combat, say, some of the uh, dwell time dwell time issues in, say, rail or, you know, getting power to your DCs? Are there any tips that you can give the audience? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we are doing is we are we are putting out forecasting to the ocean ocean carriers. We try to do it, um, you know, a month in advance for the next month. So, you know, first week of March for April. Uh, and try to be as precise as possible by carrier, by, by you know, by lane um, to give them, you know, to give the carriers an opportunity to secure that space in advance. Uh, you know, the, the other thing is I do know there are other companies that are doing something similar, but they're going out six to eight weeks. You know, and I know there is some definite tools uh, that have been developed in, in the market um, that, that allow uh, the importer to work on, uh, work, work, I should say, work their uh, forecasting. Uh, you know, I don't know right now if I have sort of a magic bullet for, uh, you know, moving inland on the rail with the carriers. Uh, you know, we are we are trying to put a focus on that. And if, you know, if we do see that there is the dwell times that are moving past the five and six days, you know, we are making phone calls and, and pushing for it. I know I know there are some importers that are trying to, um, you know, 
move a lot of their boxes on one vessel that is moving to inland points and then working with the with the carriers and the terminals that their boxes be designated in a certain area so it's easier for their trucker to come in and pick it up. Um, but unfortunately, uh, Jack Conahan has no silver bullet in this area. So anyway, well, uh, I think maybe there's somebody smarter out there than me. I, so. I think it's an interesting point you bring up, though, about like uh, moving uh, the ball forward, you know, in the different silos, you know. And again, this is just one idea I thought of just as you're saying that. I mean, you know, AutoZone has so much buying power in so many different uh, intermodal segments. I mean, maybe you've got, for example, a rail guy, you know, that buys, buys rail services. And so, you know, you just made a good point. If the dwell time gets too long, then, you know, there's there's different people in buckets of, 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 of resources to go to. So I think that's important for any organization, no matter whether they're in AutoZone or, you know, a two or 300 uh, uh, FEU importer. I do want to move to a question, Jack, uh, and I think this is a really interesting area that's uh, put blinders on a lot of folks out in the industry. And, you know, we hear so often about the uh, Shanghai Container Freight Index or the Freightos, you know, Freight Index. And then, you know, new professional men and women come in the trade and they say, well, geez, why? The index is, you know, 3,000 or 4,000. Why is my rate 4,800? Do you think that we're getting too blindsided by indices and we need to be more in tune with um, the local conditions. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, you, you do have, you know, I think the local conditions are more of, you know, what what the focus should be on. Um, you know, I, I will say that, you know, in this market, it, it, it is sort of tough. I mean, because you do have to choose between your, you know, your contracted rate FAK and, and, you know, and moving that freight because at the end of the day, even though we're, you know, we're logistics providers and we're all, we're all built is that we want the lowest price, right? But this market has sort of driven us is that if I don't have it on the shelf, you know, I'm doing my company a disservice. So probably in no other market, previously in my career have i spent more i mean i do know i mean i've gotten hit with some of these you know gold standard uh you know uh, services where the prices are just premiums which are just outrageous uh you know and, and i mean i've run it i've run it up the flagpole and is it is it worthwhile is but that really has to be weighed on how much is the product value in that container is because you sort of get to a point where it's not worth it anymore. You might as well just wait for the FAK weight rate or wait for your contracted rate or, or if it's the NVO, your name to count the rate, rate, right? So, um, so yeah, so, you know, I don't want to say those indexes have sort of gotten pushed to the side. Everybody looks at them is, but I think people, you know, in my position, I'm more focused on, you know, what's the rate today? How much can I move at at the spe at the specific rate and get it into my DC on time? Yeah, the indices are really deceiving because the the press goes out with them, and and you know they they don't they underreport. Obviously, you know, and Jack raises a good point. You know, with the premiums or the guaranteed service or the guaranteed slot, 
And uh, by the way, for my audience, we're watching uh, my interview today with uh, Jack Conahan, um, Director of Logistics at AutoZone. Jack, I wanted to bring up uh, a question to you about um, you know some of unique, some of the unique uh, nuances being uh, bantered about in contracting, such as performance or in enforceable contracts. Now, I know they're not the norm. Um, what is the take in general uh, from your colleagues and? in your networking about let's say performance based contracting is it is it is there a spot for it yeah i mean it's a good very good question um i i think this contract season uh we'll find find out if if there is a place for it i know that um you know i know this has been talked about i mean since i came into the industry is performance causes right and I'm not really aware of anybody that's been able to make significant, you know, performance clauses per se. Is now I'm not saying that you might not be able to get one or two wins, um, but you know, at the same time, you're not going to get across the board. Is you know, I, I hate to admit this, but with the market the way it is. You know, I think the carriers are going to be a little bit resistant that if your performance clause, if your request for a performance clause is sort of out of out of bounds, I'll call it, is they're going to immediately, you know, they're going to me- immediately push it away. Right. Is because there's just too much, too much capacity and not not enough space on these vessels right now. But if you have one or two targeted uh, performances you're looking for. Great, I would go for it because all, all the carriers can just say is no, right? Um, so, but yeah, I mean, and there's and there's different ways to you know thread that needle. I know that um, you know some people are, are doing space allocation guarantees where they'll you know guarantee a, num- a, a number of slots over you know a weekly period, and is and if the carrier doesn't guarantee them, you know they'll pay. They'll pay the importer or vice versa is, you know, it'll go the other way as well. So it matters, you know, it matters what you're looking for and what's important to you. I, I, I totally agree. I think that there's uh, pockets of where that will be really uh, interesting. And uh, again, I think that will be on, you know, partnerships that are really well established and, and they start to kind of stretch the envelope on, you know, what can they do as partners to get better. So you're, you're spot on there. Jack, I would like to ask you as we start to kind of close out our segment, I know that uh, just touching briefly on your remarks, if, we, if you may, on detention, free time, demurrage seem to be a big, big hot, hot box issue. Um, could you give the audience a, just a 30 or 40 second broad brush impression on how you think detention, demurrage, free time will play into contracting? Yeah, I think it's going to be... Uh... You know, it's going to be a big part of the contract is obviously, uh, and that's probably an understatement. Um, but I do think that the carriers probably are going to be looking to, uh, you know, if it's an existing carrier, they're going to be looking to diminish your 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 free time. Um, you know, if it's a new if it's a new carrier that they're going to come out of the box, you know, with minimal free time. Uh, I I you know I you know. And rightfully so, you know, the carriers are looking to get that container, you know, into the United States and back out of the United States so that they can get another turn on it. 
So, and that's, that's sort of money in their pocket, right? So it's understandable what they're doing. The only problem is, is with all of the congestion and everything going on, it's sort of not fair, right? It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you, I think what you just said is so true. It's almost like the velocity of, of the supply chain, both from the carrier side and from the BCO side need to be measured. And all the great takeaways that you gave the audience today, I think are all part and parcel. And Jack, I would love to have you back on a uh, Navigate B2B show. You've given our audience so much great information today. Uh, would you join us again some other time? Absolutely, Steve. Anytime you want, I'll do it. Okay. Oh, that's fantastic. And yeah. you've been watching myself interview Jack Conahan, uh, Logistics Director at AutoZone. Jack is one of the, the deans I trust. Take his word, listen to it, improve your supply chain. And we love Ocean Freight. Jack, thank you for having us. And FreightWaves audience, enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you. Thank Bye, you, Jack. Steve. Bye-bye. You're welcome.